back again. This is Borio Udemi. I am joined as usual by Sulaiman Lassisi. This is the fourth official soccer podcast. Sulaiman, this weekend was full of fun-packed games. Which ones do you enjoy? That is a big question. I think I would have to go with RB Leipzig and Gladbach, but we will get to that game. So in general, it was fun-packed, and I actually want to add that the Super Bowl was also this past weekend. I know we're talking a different football, but it was a very exciting affair, especially for fans of Kansas City. I'm just going to call out myself, but I did not realize the Super Bowl was this Sunday uh, until you invited me to the party, and I, <laughs> I didn't realize, oh, wait, it's this Sunday. But um, uh, I did cl- I, I caught the halftime show, so that's... Hey, that's that's, that, that's what got me into the Super Bowl in the first place. Of course, uh, I was kind of forced to watch it because I was at a restaurant eating dinner and then I, I saw it. It was on TV, so I had no choice. Gotcha. Yeah, so I'm going to lead on and talk about the spot kick of this episode. Very straightforward, Bori. The Premier League, that's where what I see the world through. And there were there are five notable coaching changes from the beginning of the season that I wanted to ask you who has fared best for, between these coaches: Carlo Ancelotti at Everton, David Moyes at West Ham, Mikel Arteta at Arsenal, Jose Mourinho at Spurs, and Nigel Pearson at Watford. Who do you think so far since they've taken the reins at these clubs has done the best job, and why? Um, so this is a very good question. I have to really think about this, but uh, off the top of my head, my gut is telling me uh, Nigel uh, Pearson of Watford, just because I remember Watford being in the relegation zone and they are so much better now. I actually don't know what uh, position they're in currently, but I've noticed they're now able to even score more goals and they've been winning a lot of their games, which is something that they were struggling with at the first uh, part of the season, at least before he was there. Great minds think alike, Bori. So I set you up because he they're in, in ninth place, current 19th place currently. They were in 20th place, rock bottom, absolute rock bottom when Nigel Pearson took over. And they were, I think they had 12 points at that point. Now they have 23 points. They're in 19th place, but they are within they're like three points away from from 15th or 16th place so he I agree I agree with you on this one Nigel Pearson to me has been able to carry out more of a transformation than the other coaches at this point of the league of course and speaking of uh, Arteta he's not even I don't know how to describe him but uh, I, I I'm expecting more but I don't I don't really see the results the rest of the season will have a story to tell about these coaching changes. With that, I'm going to move on and talk more about the English Premier League. A very interesting weekend. There was so such a malaise in Manchester. It was like these two teams are in a state of slumber. Manchester United was playing Wolverhampton Wonders. And I have I selectively use the word nemesis, but I feel like Wolves is Manchester United nemesis these days because... This was a game that was played at Old Trafford. And for just for the sake of being Manchester United and being a game that you would want Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to win, given the amount of pressure that he is under, they could not pull off a victory. Any thoughts on Manchester United's recent performances and results? I'm just surprised they uh, kept a clean sheet. 
it's unbelievable. They've they've struggled this season. You know, without Rashford, you know, they're they're still okay. I mean, they're not playing very well, but they're still okay. Uh, I don't know how to to really rate Bruno Fernandes because I didn't I didn't watch the game uh, fully, just watched highlights. Um, but uh, you know, good good for them really, I, I, and I'm happy for them. Uh, but I don't know how they're going to play the rest of the season without Rashford or Pogba. Well, Rashford or Pogba. Well, before we talk about Rashford or Pogba, I want to say quickly, Bruno Fernandes had a good game for a debut. He played he played decent. I thought he was. He had vision. You could tell he would bring something to the team. Maybe with him and Pogba on the team, there's definitely room for improvement compared to where they are today. But I also wanted to mention quickly that Odion Igalo, the Nigerian <laughs> nightmare, yeah. signed for Manchester United on a loan deal. And I'm somewhat cautious as to say what to expect, but it's an interesting signing that I would have to see how that pans out. I would t- I'll tell you this for especially for our listeners out there that don't follow Nigerian Twitter. Um, a lot of people don't like Gallo just because he missed a very you know gold golden chance against Argentina in the in the last World Cup that could have seen us uh, you know go ahead of them uh, you know in the last game of the group stage. Um, but I would say this. Um, Igalo Igalo is actually a very good striker. He's a good target man. Um, I, I'm not going to rate his goal scoring abilities, but he's somebody that can hold the ball and and, and pass it off to whoever is running ahead of him. So I, I think he would bring that benefit to them. And he's played in the I, I believe he played for Watford actually in the EPL. Um, so he has the experience playing in the EPL. So this is not going to be a, a, a first time thing for him. So I, I think he will bring some kind of commanding uh, presence, but I don't I don't think it will have that much uh, effect as Rashford. And speaking about Pogba, actually, I want to ask you this question. Uh, do you know where he is? Like, I'm so confused about why this injury is taking this long. I thought he, he had returned from injury a while ago, but now I really don't know what's going on. I was absolutely dead certain that they were going to get rid of him in January, but the window has closed, and he is still a Manchester United player. So, no worry. I do not know where Paul Pogba is. Yeah, we, we probably need to make a website called Where's Paul Pogba? <laughs> and it tells us, like, we don't know. Seriously, uh, this is something that uh, I think United has been missing and could really, really, really help them at this point. Exactly. And talking about missing, I heard you echo the fact that confidence was missing in the blue part of Manchester. Do you want to elaborate on that? Unbelievable. I mean, talk about this team. Think about last year, uh, you know, like how, how, how confident they were and they were winning every game and a lot of games. Um, but it, it's just abysmal how they are, are playing this time around, uh, you know, this season, basically. Um, my point being, sure, like, yes, if you if you saw the game, they had many chances, and really they should have won the game, but they didn't they don't even have any confidence that to score. It's just people missing penalties left and right. This is absolute bonkers. Like, at this point, like, I really don't know what's going on, but, like, it has to be a confidence issue. They have no confidence. They don't, I don't, doesn't look like they care about the EPL at all, because obviously Liverpool has won it. So it, it, it's really it's really sad to see like a, such a great team like just go down to waste. 
Um, and and really, I think it all boils down to confidence. And you know what's really funny about this whole thing? They, the bookies still have them as favorites to win the Champions League. I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't even think they can beat Atletico Madrid right now, even though Atletico Madrid are so bad. They, I don't think they can beat them. And uh, it's just it's just sad to see such a great team uh, play this bad. Um, but hey, they did not deserve that that loss. But come on, they need to score all their chances. That's all I can say. So I hate to say I told you so, but I'm gonna spin this and say Atletico Madrid being the next opponent. Do you think the equation? The fact that they don't stand a chance against Atletico Madrid, do you think that would change if Leroy Sané some, somehow became a member of the squad? You know, I I I heard on this other podcast I was listening to, there's a fact there's a uh, fact actually that they've scored as many so they've they've scored one less goal than that they did last season. So basically, at this point last season, they had 63 goals. Right now, they have scored 62 goals. So the problem is not with the goal scoring. The problem is just finishing the games off, getting the wins like they were doing last season. Because if you remember last season, a few times, they went down you know, in the first half or something. And second half will be a totally different game where they get the squeezing the goals and they get the win no matter what. But this season, they've lost all that confidence. And that's what... like. People, yes, say, oh yes, Laporte is not is not, is not playing. He's injured. Come on, let, that's just one defender. Like I don't see how, because the point of the way City plays is not to. They're not great at defending. They're great at keeping the ball, which prevents the opponents from scoring. So that that's why I'm trying to understand how Laporte is a problem here. I don't think he's the problem. They can't even keep the ball. They can't. They're not. They're not. They're not as sharp as they as they used to be. And this is what's worry, worrying for, for you know for Pep because I I don't know maybe again don't want to speak too soon but it sounds like he's gonna get the sack. Uh, Bury the sack. I think that's too much to ask of Pep, but it definitely isn't as comfortable I, I as he was in August. I don't think it's. I mean, okay, think about this. If they don't win the Champions League, then maybe they lose one either the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup, which is possible with the way they're playing. Then they're just left with one trophy to win and. They go from winning a treble to to one trophy. I don't know if this is something that the owners of City would like, but we'll see. I, maybe maybe I'm completely wrong, but I I don't I don't especially if they win one trophy this season. I don't see why they would not sack him at the end of the season. Expectations is why, Bori, because they know that with Pep, they actually can get all the things they want. But sacking him, I think, where do they restart from, and who is out there who's potentially better? at getting these trophies than Pep Guardiola? That is a rhetorical question. We would have to wait and see. And moving on, I want to talk about Spurs. Let's give credit where credit is absolutely due. Spurs beat Manchester City fair and square. And we had Steven Bergwin on his debut score a very well-taken, well-composed and placed goal. And we also saw Huming Son score as well. This Spurs team, I am not certain i am not sold on them what do you think about this group to be honest you know i love jose Mourinho. for me my number one coach um but i yes yes they won this game but they should not have won this game i think they won by luck i think we saw classic Mourinho, you know defending parking the bus so to say um i i i don't know i 
I don't see how Mourinho is going to do all this season, uh, to be honest. I, I don't think he has the right players, which is understandable. He did not build a squad. He's only had one transfer window, and it's been a limited one. Um, he, he was only able to get uh, Bergvan and uh, and maybe a few other players. I I'm, I'm I can't remember their names now. But um, good, good, good for Bergvan. I, I'm really happy that he scored. I just don't know how this is going to scale further. Like, you know, I've seen the other games they've played against smaller teams and they've been woeful. So, uh, you know, I, I think Mourinho is just, he's trying different things this time around, but he, he he's not up to par. I, and I think the summer is when he will be able to actually get time to be able to pick players and, and, and pick people and teams, or, 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 I mean, or pick people and players that can that can really make a change and a difference. And to be honest, uh, they've been stricken by injuries. You know, they're, the talisman, the number one man is injured. Kane and Ericsson left. So I, I completely understand. Uh, but I also just want to give a shout out to Taganga. Um, what a defender he is. I think he's he's been a great uh, asset for them uh, and somebody that like that doesn't really get enough praise. Interesting. A classic Mourinho victory against Pep Guardiola. This one has more value than beating the likes of Arsenal in this time and day. So I think it's a really big win. Moving on, let's talk about Liverpool. And we are not going to exaggerate the marvelous performance that this team has been putting in because we see the results. But I want to ask you something at this point. We know the three men in the attack, Firmino, Salah, and Sadio Mane. But I want to talk about Jordan Henderson this season. Would I be reaching if I said he was the best player on this team so far? Uh, no, I don't think you'd be reaching. I mean, I think he is the best player. Uh, I believe he won the player of the month last last month for Liverpool. Um, I, I'm not sure if I'm getting that right. But um, no, 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 you, you're definitely not reaching. Um, I think he's made a difference and uh, he's, you know, he's able to go up and down the field, which is really phenomenal. Um, and he's very... He's had a, a lot of key passes to the forwards. Um, I don't know how many assists he has so far this season, but I've seen a, a lot of passes that he's made forward, and I'm like, whoa, who's that? And it turns out to be Henderson. So um, he's been phenomenal this season. Um, I, I don't think it will continue. I think it's just a, a one-off season, um, but uh, it's good to see that he can reach this potential. I remember I remember when Liverpool played like, paid like 20 million to Sunderland for him. And I was like, who is this dude? But I would say this season is the one time when I look back and I'm like, that's money well spent. It's probably like over a decade ago, but he's definitely delivering returns at this point of the season. So with that, I'm going to wrap up the Premier League. Let's move from this very little competitive league to a league that I think is the most competitive in Europe right now. And I'm talking of none other than the Bulli. The Bundesliga is eating up, Bori. They did better. Last week, we said there were four points between first place and fourth place. And they went one up. And now, this week, there's only three points between first place and fourth place. Can you imagine that? Yeah, no, it's incredible what's going on. And again, like 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 you said, you got me excited about this league. Uh, this is a league that I put as fifth place in terms of watching order. Um, and this league, this time around, it's become my second most watched league. Um, and it's it's just phenomenal. And it's good to see certain players score goals. 
I agree. And the biggest matchup, you wouldn't think about this as the biggest matchup in terms of magnitude or brand name, but Leipzig played Gladbach. And you knew this was going to be a big one because these are two top four teams. And the results of this would definitely shake things up in the top four. But it's settled for a tie. And what do you think about that? I was so pissed. I was very pissed. Um, and uh, the red card to player didn't, you know, didn't really help uh, Gladbach. Um, I was really happy when I saw that they were 2-0 up. And so I was watching, and then I stopped watching, and then I came back, and boom, 2-2, and I was so pissed. Um, but, um, hey, you know, Gladbach look like a great team. Again, they, they are back. This is a team that I saw the first half of the season and thought, like, yes, they could win the, the uh, Bundesliga. And, again, it's not over. It's not over yet, um, and I'm not counting them out. I'm still, I still pick them as a favorite along, along with Leipzig. Um, but, uh, you know, what a great game. It, it was a great game. Um, one player I would like to call out is Nkunku. Um, and I believe he's on loan on from PSG. I'm not sure if they, they, they actually bought him. But um, he's working very hard. And he's he's a very key player for that team. I agree. And one thing I should actually say, you mentioned that Nkunku is on loan. I like the idea that a team like teams in the Bundesliga like Dortmund and Leipzig can take these exciting players who are not getting playing time at their parent clubs and they come here and they become main features. You think of players like Jadon Sancho and now Nkunku and now they're main features and before you know it in a couple of years they're going to be commanding huge transfer fees. I think that's a really good opportunity in an exciting and competitive league. With that being said, let's talk about Borussia Dortmund. And I'm going to pause for a second. Fortuna Dusseldorf and now Union Berlin. I feel like these teams are punching bags in the Bundesliga. It's, 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 it's gotten to the point where when any of the bullies in the Bundesliga play these teams, it's like a 5-0 or 6-0 scoreline. And you see Dortmund do the same thing this past weekend, notably with Haaland scoring two goals. Bori, I am starting to overhype this kid. The way he scores, we talked about the poacher's instincts last week, and you replicated copy for copy that same instincts this past weekend. I did not see the game, uh, to be honest, um, but I'm actually, when I saw the scoreline and saw this, the scorers, I was, I mean... I guess I would say I was not surprised. Um, but yes, Dortmund, remember earlier this season, it was hard for sometimes they don't score, sometimes they score, but now they are scoring consistently, which is very important for them, especially with the Champions League around the corner. Um, and yeah, Holland is a very good asset for them. And he is the guy that can give you goals when you least expect, expect it. He has the poetry instinct. I mean, you, you cover this as the as a, a segment in, the, in our last episode. Um, I'm very happy to see. But, hey, I know we give Haaland all the praise now, but we're, you know, Sancho is phenomenal also, um, both in the assist world and also in the scoring goals. Right now he has 11 goals currently uh, for Dortmund, um, and and he he's, his stat just looks really good. And this just... I just I just sense uh, a change for him this, at the end of the season. I think there's no way he doesn't leave. I agree, Bori. I forgive me for not mentioning how phenomenal Sancho has been in terms of scoring and assisting. And hey, I hear Manchester United are hooked 
on getting this guy. So we'll see how the season ends. So the last team I want to talk about in the Bundesliga, FC Bayern Munich, FC Hollywood, had a 3-1 routine victory over FC Mainz. Any thoughts on this team as they complete the resurgence and restoration of their rightful place in the league of first place? Hey, you were right because, I mean, you said it before that, hey, you know, they're going to come back, they're going to get their stuff together and they'll come back to the top. Um, except this time it's kind of different because you have, what, four or five teams uh, going for this top prize. So it may be different around this time. Um, obviously, I'm not going to discount them as a possible winner. Uh, they could win the league, um, but it's good to see Müller scoring finally. Uh, not finally, but like at least contributing to goals is what I mean. Um, and, um, you know, like, again, I'm not trying to put them down, but hey, it was Mines, okay? Mines is not, is not a great team, so I expected them to win. Um, but hey, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just waiting for, I'm just waiting for Champions League to start, really. I, I think that's when they start to, to fall, and, and this is what I'm waiting for. All right, Barry, we'll see if they prove you wrong or prove you right. With that, I pass you the torch, my friend. Yes, and we are starting out with the Serie A. We have a lot to talk about. Um, and we are starting with AC Milan. AC Milan played Verona this past weekend. Um, they tied win a game where they I, I felt like they didn't play so well, but they should have also won at the same time. Um, but the one thing that really stands out to me in this particular game is a certain Maldini playing in this game. I know it's not Paolo Maldini. It's the son of Paolo Maldini. Daniel Maldini, who is a striker. Um, but the reason why I'm bringing this up is this is the third generation of players playing for this great club. You have Cesare uh, Maldini, then his son is Paolo Maldini, and now you have Daniel Maldini. How amazing is it to have three generations play for one club? That is that's definitely a feat that's probably going to be very hard to match. I know of like two generations, but three generations, boy, I, I hope he actually shines and helps Milan back to the glory days. I think that would be, it would be fitting of him to help Milan back. So definitely want to keep an eye out for. Yes, well, that's great. I am really happy to see this. And, and hopefully, again, I, I, I echo your sentiments. I hope he does very well uh, because obviously the Maldini name is very, very important to Milan. Uh, but moving on to the, the same, you know, to, to another game that was great, uh, Udinese uh, Inter Milan. Uh, Inter Milan won that game 2-0. And obviously, guess who scored the two goals? It was Romelu Lukaku. I mean, this guy is unstoppable. He's scoring so many goals this season. And Inter Milan, even though I hate to say this, they're looking very good. I told you this, and I would repeat this. The table looks different right now. It's Juventus, I think, three points up. But I still have my money on Inter Milan. And it's going to come together. You will be surprised. Don't don't speak so soon. And before we actually move on, um, Inter Milan has good luck on their side. I mean, they had probably the best um, transfer this winter. I mean, they, they brought in Ericsson, brought in Ashley Young, they brought in Victor Moses. Alexis Sanchez is back from injury. He's looking very sharp, uh, which is kind of interesting. Um, and, you know, like... They are looking good altogether, and they played without Lautaro Martinez, who was suspended for this game. Um, but hey, remember, 
The Derby is next weekend, so we'll see what happens there. Um, I don't know if we have time to give our predictions, but it'll be it'll be good to see what you think about that game. Um, but uh, uh, speaking about the positioning of the table, let's not forget Lazio won um, at Spal this weekend, 5-1. Um, Immobile scored this wonderful goal. Oh, my God. I was like, you need to see. It was the second goal. He basically ran at the keeper. And the keeper basically pushed him to the side. And somehow he was still able to squeeze the ball in to the net. Um, just phenomenal. I think everyone showed that goal. I, I couldn't believe he went in. Um, but again, I think Mobile is currently the highest goal scorer in Europe. Top five league. Um, and he just can't stop scoring. But the reason why I'm bringing up Lazio is they have a makeup game this Wednesday. And if they beat, if they beat Hellas Verona then they become second, which I think will be a punch in the gut for Inter Milan, and I think they're going to shake. Definitely. I saw Immobile's goal, a wonder goal, by the way. So he's definitely on fire, and he can do his best to get this team to hide unimagined at the beginning of the season. I would like for them to put more energy into this title race. So let them win against Halas Verona, and let's, let's watch this marathon unfold as the season progresses. In, in any case, it's still a good race to see. Um, but speaking about wonderful goal, uh, Quagliarella um, is another player that had a phenomenal game uh, with his goal. I mean, I'm bringing this up because what he's what, 36, 37 years old, and he's still scoring like he's 22. Um, basically, it was a volley, and just the way he turned is is why is what makes this goal, you know, just different. Um, but again, it, I think La- Syria is the league that you find old people thrive like it's nothing. I mean, obviously you have Ronaldo, you have Ibrahimovic. Um, but speaking of Ronaldo, uh, Juventus beat Fiorentina 3-0. Um, finally, finally, uh, Ronaldo has reached 50 goals for Juventus in 70 games, I believe. Um, are you surprised by this uh, by this uh, uh, achievement? Well, at his current age, definitely an achievement. But for someone of Ronaldo's stature, comparing his stats at Real Madrid, you can't you can't observe the regression. But for for Juve's sake, this is still good. He's still very productive. And you, I think you mentioned this. I think for Juventus, Ronaldo's influence is more on the fact that he's a big game player and not so much for the volume that he's gonna return. Like over the course, I think what they need this need Ronaldo for after all is said and done is win the Champions League, something he has done before. So I'm not gonna judge him yet by these goals, but impressive results. Yes, and I just want to give a quick shout out to Jeremy Boga. Um, a lot of people may not know him, but he was a is, was a Chelsea player. I, I think he he got sold to Sassuolo. Um, Sassuolo is a team in, in Syria, obviously, but um. This is I've been hearing rumors, uh, and this is right why I'm really bringing this up that Chelsea may actually bring him back, um, which is kind of funny. But um, but this guy is very underrated. I think one of the most underrated players in the league um, because he is just a rock solid person for Sassuolo, and they beat uh, uh, Roma this weekend, which was actually a very good victory for them. Um, but hey, just shout out to Jeremy Boga, who's a, a, a ex-Chelsea player. Uh, but let's move our tide to La Liga. 
Um, this weekend, we had the Madrid de- Derby. Uh, what a great game. A very tight one. But, of course, the difference was made by Benzema. Uh, no surprise there. Um, I want to give one quick notice to Mendy, the left back. Uh, he was a great, solid left back in this game, um, which is a concern for Marcelo, but maybe not a huge concern. But um, I, I thought he had a very great game. Um, but the one thing I want to also want, wanted to really point out is the return of a prodigal son. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about on the Atletico team, um, Yannick Carrasco. Um, he came in as a sub, and he looked he looked very good. He you know he looked like a normal normal like a regular Carrasco. Um, but uh, what do you think? Is I mean he's he's here on loan. Do you think this is this because I I believe they brought this guy in to help Atletico Madrid uh, go back to to third place where they belong, and also the Champions League is here. So I think it's a, the right time to buy him. But do you think it will have as much effect on Atletico Madrid? Definitely. You know, at this point, it's it's not surprising that Simeone is going to people that he has worked with and he knows. And I've seen Carrasco play for Atletico Madrid. His work rate is exceptional, so he knows he will give everything for this club. And like we were just talking about last week, this is definitely something that can help. Because when you think of the biggest acquisition over the summer in Jao Felix, skill, like... He had skill in abundance, but when it comes to the actual Atletico way, I think that's something that's still been questioned about him. So Carrasco has been tested and trusted, and I'm sure he will influence the team on and off the field. Yes, great. And moving on to Barcelona, um, they played Levante this weekend, and they won 2-1. Um, but one thing to that, I mean, this was a this was an Ansu Fati show. He scored two goals. And but I can't. I mean, this is no surprise. He was assisted twice by Messi, but just the assist was just so beautiful. But the one thing I also wanted to point out in this game, I'm not sure if you actually saw this game, but this game was so beautiful. This is the Barcelona that we know. They played so well. And one thing that have I actually noticed is they played out of the back forcefully. Like they made it a point to play out of the back, even though they had like five or, or four Levante players, you know, pressing them just right outside the box. But every time they didn't make mistake once, except that one time when Arthur made that mistake, but they didn't make a mistake once throughout the game. And it was just beautiful to see. But this is the problem though. And yes, they're playing beautiful. They're doing all these things and, you know, you know, they're playing very nice, but they still can't score so many goals. I understand two hours out, you know, I don't think that's a really big excuse, but it's just I don't I don't get how they're going to go far or win the league this season if you know they're not able to score this many goals and I think there's still something missing but it's still good to have the old Barcelona back. Yes, I am excited not for the score line but I'm actually excited because people are starting to ask who is Ansu Fadi, who is this kid, and I didn't watch this game but I followed I followed the game as it unfolded online and I was cheesy i was happy when i saw that messi was the one who assisted him both times because for me after all said and done you might actually end up remembering messi more not for what he did for barcelona which a lot of interesting and phenomenal achievements but for what he set forth for barcelona picture this for a second ronaldinho has been credited time and again for grooming 
Messi into who he is or who he turned out to be as a player. Imagine if Messi goes a step further and does the same for Ansu Fati and how that will help Barcelona just continue this double decade of dominance that has started since the mid-2000s. I think that's what I'm more excited for than the scoreline. Yeah, you're correct. I think this is, uh, I mean, everyone playing right now, every young player, uh, including Ricky Puig, um, they definitely learn from Messi. And this is something that, you know, maybe I guess uh, Barcelona needs to hold on to and make Messi happy because at some point, especially when Valverde was still there, I, I was thinking that he was not happy and he may actually do a surprise move. Uh, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen and he seems like he, he's happy. Um, I do want to point out though that Messi looks off the pace though. He, I, this is like I, for the past like what two, three games I've seen him play his the worst, his worst, uh, basically since I've been watching him. So we'll see what happens. Maybe this is just a phase that he will come out of. But let's quickly switch to Ligue 1. Not much to see here. PSG beat Montpellier 5-0. But uh, my there was a there was an antic. There was something that happened on the field that really is bringing attention in the news. And that's uh, Mbappe really getting mad and pissed at Thomas Tuchel about you know him taking him off as a sub. Um, I just wanted to like is. Is Mbappe entitled? Like, I mean, this just really bothers me because if you're not listening or adhering to what your coach is telling you, then you should be kicked out of the team. I mean, this is not this won't happen like what 20 years ago. This is something that is a no-no, right? It definitely is entitled. When you asked that question, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like, 90% of the soccer players today are entitled, and he definitely is entitled. I, I, I. I cannot understand where the reasoning comes from for him to not want to be subbed in a game that's it's dead in the water like it's not it doesn't even mean anything and they have a lot of important games coming up so for me it's like somebody needs to tell this kid he's phenomenal on the field no doubt but there are more important things and more important achievements to the PSG project than trashing a second rate team yes uh, yeah, I think that's what he doesn't see, and um, maybe he's learned his lesson. And you know what the annoying thing for me, I think, was was is Tuchel having to explain himself at the press conference after the game, uh, which he shouldn't really have to. Like, if if I were Tuchel, I would have just dismissed that question and be like, I do whatever I want to do. Like, I'm the coach. You know, if you're not happy, you leave the team. Simple. Um, but hey. I, I like Mbappe as a player, but you know if he's doing these kind of things, it just makes me feel like maybe Neymar is uh, really affecting him and giving him a negative. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I kind of blame Neymar because Neymar is the is the father of of antics, as as we all know. Cool. Let's talk about the random fact. What do you have for us on that front? Yeah. Um. So this is a play from Real Madrid. Casemiro, who's been phenomenal this season, he's back to his A game. Um, and you'll notice something. He's, he's been scoring a lot of goals. And you may ask, why is he scoring a lot of goals? Why is his shots so accurate? I mean, this is not something that we're not used to. He's, he has accurate shots. But, you know, it turns out that he was actually a striker. And the reason why he's playing as a defensive midfielder now is because when he went to the Sao Paulo Academy, uh, initially, uh, they had a ton of players. I can't remember how many, but they had a ton of players. And they were only going to pick a few. And he 
and the coach at the time or the the academy uh principal was like hey you know uh split but if you're a striker go to the side if you're a defensive midfielder go to the side if you're a defender go to the side and he Casemiro said he noticed that like most a lot of the people went to as a striker and which that was his position so he decided to go into the midfielder position because there were just a few people in that in that section and um and that's how he got into sao paulo and from sao paulo he's in uh, real madrid uh, so it's just a fun story because I wonder what would have, I wonder what would have happened if he didn't if he went on as a striker and he was not deemed good enough to play. Maybe I don't think he will be right now in Real Madrid. Smart dude. I, I actually think that's a smart move on his part because I mean you want to play soccer professionally. Sometimes it doesn't matter which position, but you actually get to leave and achieve your dream. And he's done so at Real Madrid one three Champions League trophies or maybe even four. So he definitely made the right decision. I actually think this is very common in the sense that there are lots of goalkeepers and defenders who actually started out as forwards. But I think his story, like for them, they usually choose for them. I think what's interesting about his story is him at that very early age knowing, you know what, this will pay off for me on the long run. And it, it, it has worked out. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, hey, he's won like what, three Champions Leagues now or, or even more? Um, so it's it's you know it's good for him man and it worked out well. Well, that's all we have, Bori. Thanks so much for that random fact and our listeners. It's been a pleasure bringing soccer news to you. You can always find us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. Also on Twitter at Fourth Official SP, Gmail at Fourth Official Soccer Podcast at gmail.com. And that's it. We'll see you next week. See you. Bye bye.